Hey there, Knicks fans. How the hell are you? It is your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. If you are joining us um, for this one, you may or may not have seen the Knicks just lose. Um, I can't use the term heartbreaker because they lost by 15 points. Um, But this was actually quite an exciting game uh, for much of the late third, most of the fourth quarters, um, against the Philadelphia 76ers. The thing that, if you did not watch the game and you are checking news outlets tomorrow, you will probably see the most prevalent image of is uh, Joel Embiid jumping over Regina King, uh, the presumptive Best Supporting Actress um, winner for the Oscars in uh, a week and a half, uh, into Nick's statistician Dave Freed. Um, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Well, maybe we will a little bit. Um, it, it depends on my guests' um, preferences, maybe fetishes for large men jumping into smaller men. Uh, Jeremy Cohen, do you, do you want to talk about Joel Embiid jumping over Regina King into the Knicks statistician? Or? I first want to applaud you on that intro. I mean, the idea of big men jumping into smaller men and, and having a fetish before that, that is impressive. Well, anything could be a fetish. Oh, right? of course. Hey, don't kink shame me. I mean... It is what it is. I do have a conspiracy theory, oh, and please, that is that please Regina, do tell. Yes, Regina King wanted Joel Embiid to dive into her, and this was all part of the plan because it would bring so much publicity that it would help launch her Oscar voting okay. to the point where it would seal the deal and she would win. Not that she wasn't deserving; she I, was incredible. Can I stop you right there? Because you, you, you're sounding a little bit like an ass, and I'm going to tell you why. As someone who has seen If Beale Street Could Talk, um, it is phenomenal. It oh, it got, is. It, it is. It it, is a, she deserves it no matter yes. what. I'm just saying this is this is icing on the cake, baby. That is – no, that's that's fair. Um, she, hey, listen, any any press is good – well, I shouldn't say that. Most press is good press heading into um, Oscar season. And I believe the voting the voting is open this week. So who knows? Maybe there's some voter out there who saw tonight's game and is like, you know what? If you put herself in the line of fire, I am going to um, vote for her over. Just like her character did. This is what I'm saying. It's, it's wow, perfect. full circle, baby. I well, saved myself on well, that one. Well played on that. Well played. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So let's um, let's do a, a quick recap of this game before we get into the star of this game, and really, I would say the star of this month. Um, and hell, maybe. By the end of the year, you will be able to look back and say the star of this season for the Knicks, and that's Mitchell Robinson. Um, the Knicks have now lost 18 games in a row. Um, this is one where, like has happened... How many games have they played against Philly this year? Was this their, I felt like this was their fourth, but it should be their fifth, right? No, they usually play four against the division rivals. Is it four? Yeah, it okay. has to be. Okay, because I, I remember that they got their doors... Absolutely blown off by the Sixers twice this year. And then they had the game where they were in the process of getting their doors blown off. They went down by 23 and then had a, a crazy shot to win it or tie it in the final seconds. And then sure enough, this one, they come out, as Mike uh, Breen said several times on the um, telecast, just did not play with the requisite level of intensity on defense 
for parts of the game. Uh, coincidentally, those were parts of the game where the starters were in, which is actually where I want to touch on briefly before we get to Mitch. Um, I will put the fact that they basically induced the Sixers into a layup line at certain points tonight, mostly on Kevin Knox and Dennis Smith Jr. Um, is my blame misplaced? Uh, what, what do you say? No, but I mean, they also did a great job of finding open shooters constantly. I mean, it seemed like uh, Tobias Harris or J.J. Redick was usually taking some sort of corner three. And that, of course, is something that you've noted in the past has been an issue for the Knicks defensively. Yes. But I, I would agree that Dennis Jr., Kevin Knox, it's not hard to target them. They're young, developing players in the starting lineup. Might as well go after them with players who are certainly on another level because they're further along in their process. Yeah, and it's it. I, I, I'm going to name this the – I don't know if corollary is the right word. The Tim Hardaway – not addendum, the Tim Hardaway, I don't want to call it the Tim Hardaway rule. Basically, what I want to say is, if you are someone that is the worst defensive player on the floor, your team can survive with you, but if you are, like, if there's another one of you out there, um, then your team cannot survive um, with you out there. And, like, Knox right now, there are times where he just doesn't, he doesn't have you know, NBA intensity on defense and Dennis Smith Jr. It seemed like all night um, Ben Simmons was in his head a little bit. So I, I don't know. To me, it was those two, I guess maybe a little bit of his own year early on, at least could be the reason he started it and then only played six minutes. Um, did not, did not start the second half. Didn't see the game again. Um, so that part of it was a little disheartening and just, and again, before we move on to, to Mitch, we're going to end with the good. We're going to start with the bad here. Um, are you at all concerned with the facts that fact that Knox has fallen off a cliff a little bit over the last few weeks? Yeah, I'm absolutely concerned. What you concerns know, you the most? I've said it on Twitter. It's the passing. It's the lack of assists. DeAndre Jordan had seven assists tonight and Kevin Knox had zero. And again, it's incumbent upon their teammates to make the right shots. Kevin Knox can't make the shots for his teammates. If he could, he probably wouldn't make them based on the slump that he's in. But it's the sort of thing where his instincts are this almost Mamba mentality, and I applaud him for having that at such a young age, having that sort of confidence instilled in him at 19 years old, phenomenal. But he doesn't have to carry all this load. It just – it bothers me because I have this sneaking suspicion that next year gets a little bit better, and I am really trying to think about who are the players who could be – around those types of elite stars. And even if they don't come, whatever. I, I, again, we're not going to get into that. But he needs to be a long-term piece who can play on and off ball, who can do more than just take these shots. And I I don't know if it's a rookie wall. We're both huge Frank fans, so we know what it's like to be patient and to try to avoid any sort of impatience. <laughs> oh, oh, we know patience. So it feels hypo- Exactly. So it feels hypocritical for me to defend Frank and then come at Knox. But at the same time, again, Frank at least feels solid on one end of the floor. And I never really get that feeling from Knox. Here's So here's the good and the bad with Knox for me. The good is that we've – and this is what I've said on Twitter. The flashes that he's shown us like are enough for me to 
to to believe that he is going to be a very good scorer in the NBA. I don't know if he's going to be a very good player, but I think he's going to be a very good scorer based on the flashes that he's shown. The shot's going to come around. I mean, he's in a slump right now. The reason why I'm worried is relating back to something that Zach Lowe wrote um, in his post-trade deadline column, which is that the rest of the season is going to be very interesting in terms of what these young Knicks players show. And depending on where they fall in the lottery, Kevin Knox is their best asset. I would argue that if they got the fifth pick in the lottery, like Kevin Knox should be a better asset than the fifth pick in this year's lottery. I mean, I know you... I don't know the draft that well. I don't, I don't know if you know it much better than me. Um, like, what do you think about that? I would defer to Spencer for the most part. Yeah, but I, 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 I would defer from, to him as well. <laughs> from an asset standpoint, uh, it really depends on do you compare this draft to be so bad that the ninth pick last year who has, I wouldn't say regressed, well, but certainly hasn't played up to that level. Per se? No, he, he has. But I would say, well, it, for a point of comparison, Spencer has come on this podcast and said that he thinks that um, Kevin Herter, who went 17th, I think, last year, would be in the running to go second in this draft. And I don't he, – he's not saying that as hyperbole. He, he means it. So sure. take that for what it's worth. The, the, my point is this. If, if Kevin Knox doesn't show enough between now – because I don't think he's shown it enough – this season already, if he doesn't show enough between now and the end of the season to potentially convince, and I'm going to say it, the Pelicans, that he could be a, you know, a special player, that could really, you know, that could have an impact on the type of package that the Knicks may have to put together. And and listen, anybody who, who is mad at me for having this conversation, wake up. It's, this is the reality of, of, the world that the Knicks live in right now. They are, when they traded away Kristaps Porzingis, even though there were other reasons for doing that, that did not have anything to do with who's going to be a free agent this summer. The fact of the matter is they are making a play for this summer. And like Kevin Knox ties into that and how well he plays from now to the end of the year matters. So yeah, I'm a little concerned too. Um, Not for like his long term, like, is he going to be okay or not? But just like, you know, Got to show something, kid, and it's 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 not it's not looking great right now. So, um, yeah, let's talk about something good. Um, Mitchell Robinson, uh, do you want to do you want to give give the Mitchell Robinson spiel, and then we'll pick up from there? Uh, yeah, I mean he's everywhere. <laughs> That's a, he, oh, I love that. he's everywhere. That's great. That's because good. offensively, you know, he can. <laughs> you may think like he's a rim runner, the type who can't stretch the floor, but it just you get this sense that he's always on and there's this one moment that i just loved when the Knicks were in transition and everyone's jogging back and i just happened to see Mitchell Robinson sprint at full speed and it was like a blur it was like the flash running and just what he's able to do to Joel Embiid again i i i would just say he's everywhere and i think that everyone who listens to this can agree because he just he just feels everywhere. No, it's he, amazing. No, he he. So the the Embiid reference that Jeremy just made for those who didn't watch the game, um, Embiid uh, went after. So early in the game, it was in the first quarter, I believe, towards the end of the first quarter, and I tweeted about it. 
Embiid tried to basically throw the ball off the backboard, catch it, which he did, and then dunk it. And Mitchell Robinson was there, and he didn't block it. He fouled him, though. He did not let him get the dunk. And I was like, you know what? Good for Mitch on that. So fast forward to the fourth quarter. The game's kind of getting out of hand, but Embiid seems like he wants to, I don't know, maybe send a little bit of a message to the kid. Tries a shot attempt against him. Gets it swatted. What was it? One or two possessions later, comes down the floor, does the exact same thing. Same Mm -hmm. result. Gets it swatted again. And, like, there's not many people that do that against Joel Embiid. And then you talk about the other end of the floor. I'm working on a piece for about Mitch, which I better fucking get done because there's going to be several uh, more to take its place if I don't hurry up and get this thing out. And I'm looking up stats. Do you know for January, um, Mitchell Robinson was uh, 82.1% effective field goal percentage from the floor over seven games. Heading into tonight for February, 774 effective field goal percents in five games. Those numbers are insane. Like, he is he is a weapon, Jeremy. I saw recently he was shooting above 700. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, and again, it, it cannot be stated enough. This is a kid who did not play basketball last year. I mean, he, whatever. He played in a gym, you know, doing what God knows what. But um, I, I – so here, here's the – it's like I want to – I think it, it comes down to two conversations. One – and let's have this one first. It's a quick one because I don't know that we could know the answer. Based on how much he's improved from summer league to the beginning of the season to now, is it fair to assume that – it continues on this curve or are we seeing like, is like, is this what Mitchell Robinson is going to be? And if this is what he's going to be, then that's fine. But like, where do you, where do you think he is in his growth progression here? Well, just for comparison, I, I think you would agree. You may have even tweeted about this today. I was one of the people who thought he was going to spend a fair amount of time in the G league. Oh yeah. Yep. And he proved me us wrong completely. Yep. And I applaud him for that so much. I think the only thing really holding him back – well, two things. One is uh, his knack for looking for the shot on defense because the blocks are all great. But again – and he only had two fouls tonight, which was really nice. Yep. But if he's chasing constantly, he could get into more foul trouble. But I I think that will just come with increasing his basketball IQ and getting experience. The other thing was free throw shooting. There was a point where he was just miserable – Four of seven, which yes. is an accomplishment in itself. And the form looks okay, right? Yeah, it it doesn't look atrocious. And I know that in, it's practice, so take it with a grain of salt. But there was a point at the beginning of the season or right before it where Mitchell Robinson did something where he got a rebound and then he just sprinted up the court with the ball, pulled up for a three, and hit it. And I just look at that, and I know that he can do the – again, it's practice. And his canter could shoot the reason practice and it happens. But it's it's a sort of a preview of what could come. And no. if you think that he expands his, his game to that level, 
the sky is quite literally the limit. But he was doing that stuff in games in high school, and and like there's footage of that stuff. Um, so this isn't new. You know, we should also just mention for the record, um, he set a career high in rebounds tonight, 13 rebounds. Um, he also had two steals in addition to four blocks. I don't remember a game that he's had two steals so far this year. I could actually look that up really quick. Um, uh, no turnovers, which is really nice to see. He's had a couple games with three steals. So, yeah, no turnovers. Like you said, it's not even the, the fact that he hit several free throws. He got to the line four times or, – or, sorry, seven times tonight, which I think ties a career high for him. You know, this has just been a coming out party of late, and it's basically we've gone from like one or two Mitchell Robinson moments per game to now it's like the whole time he's in there. It's mostly good stuff, and I, I, I'm I don't usually mention individual game plus minus, but I think it's notable that he was plus nine mm-hmm. in a game the Knicks lost by uh, fifteen points, and we should also mention <laughs> we should also mention. Uh, and by the way, that plus nine, that came in 28 minutes. That means for a 28-minute stretch, the Knicks outscored the Sixers by nine tonight, which I think is really interesting. And then Kevin Knox, 19 minutes, minus 29. I do not think that that was an accident either. Man, talk about two rookies going in, in two different directions. Um, the other question I wanted to mention with Mitchell Robinson is this, and it relates to the discussion that we just had on Knox and... Then we'll uh, we'll get out of here for the night. How much? So I'll just put it out there. Um, it is the Knicks get. Um, let's make it interesting. Let's say the Knicks get the second pick in the draft, not the first pick, because the first mm-hmm. pick it complicates things a little bit too much. Um, you. You have a sneak. The, the, the Pelicans are interested. Um, you have word through back channels that if you get Anthony Davis, it will more or less seal the deal for Kevin Durant. Um, you're not getting an assurance from Anthony Davis, but you, his people are telling you, like, look, if you trade for him and it goes well, you know, Durant comes. Like, he has, he's not going to have any reason to leave. Where, like, you, they're going to ask for Mitchell Robinson, and you can't say no if you're the Knicks, right? Yeah, like, you can't. What's your package, I guess? How far are you willing to go at this point right now? I'd say Robinson, Knox, and the pick. That's the package. Yeah. <sighs> and to make the money work, so to make the money work, you would need to throw in um I think you probably need to throw in Frank actually too because he makes a decent amount of, I'm not sure if that would make the money work but well if they have the cap space yeah uh, if but Kevin Durant and them haven't signed yet then they could just trade him into cap space yeah but then it um then it complicates your second max slot and then obviously they're gonna have some you know desires to do that I'm sorry are you saying Durant and an additional player and then trading for Davis? I'm saying trading for Davis first, then signing Durant, and then let the chips fall where they may. So obviously that's why this conversation is – like that little exchange we just had, that's why this conversation and what the front office does come uh, June and July is going to be so fascinating because everything, everything has a domino effect, right? It's like, okay, if we negotiate hard and we don't give – as much up for Davis that that 
compromises our cap space. And that's the other part. That's that's kind of why I wanted to ask you specifically about Mitchell Robinson because the thing about Mitchell Robinson is he makes no money. He makes nothing. Yeah. He makes one point whatever million dollars. Man. I, I believe he's on the same contract that Jokic had, which is a four-year deal, unrestricted free agent in the fourth year, but you can decline the third, make him a restricted free agent, and yes. then you could figure something out there. The whole thing actually – this is the one thing that really is going to screw up the Knicks. It's that the NBA has the draft before free agency. Yeah. And I hate that. I just – I really do because there's so much that can happen. No, it complicates things. You shouldn't be prioritizing you know, first-round pick over free agency if you have an opportunity to land someone. I think that's where football actually does something right. Of course, people may disagree and they may feel it helps out more with parity or something of that sort. But I just – I don't know. I, I really wish that free agency came before and you filled in the last missing pieces through the draft. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. I'm just yeah, – I'm just thinking about Mitch. Like I – it's, it's tough because you have Anthony Davis. Mitchell Robinson could be anything. Anthony Davis, by the way, people. notably, who does not want to play center. Full time, if he had his druthers, and I, I don't think that that could be ignored. And who knows? Maybe the fact, maybe the fact that Mitchell Robinson makes so little money, um, maybe that winds up keeping him in a Knicks uniform through a potential Davis trade. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I just like it's it's been. When's the last time? I'll, I'll, let's end with this. Actually, I'm not going to ask this question because the the answer is so obvious. Uh, so I'll ask it in a different way. Other than other than he who shall not be, other than Voldemort, um, who we don't talk about on this podcast anymore. When's the last time like a young Knicks player like had a bunch of potential and then you actually like saw the potential like like way way sooner and way more than you expected to see it. It has to be since before, other than other than that guy, who we're not going to say his name. <laughs> it has to be like before you were born, right? I think so. It, yeah. Very well. I mean, considering the fact that Charlie Ward was the last person signed to an extension in 1999. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, at least from from a rookie contract. Yeah, I can't think of anyone before after then because the picks either were traded away or the players drafted were quickly traded away or there was some sort of yeah terrible decision that was made and the player never t- panned out to anything so i think that's also what made he who shall not be named a little bit harder for the fans who were not in favor of the trade not just you're trading away someone who finally got hit on a first round pick but like we've actually seen the potential realized yeah and i look i'm not i'm not throwing around mitch's name with with his um, especially since I'm not saying his name, so I can't be throwing his name around with, with his name. Um, but like, I don't know, man. Robinson's I, I'm not be, envious of the front office this summer. I'll tell you that. Neither am I. Neither am I. And I'm just really excited to see where, where Robinson goes from here. And, um, yeah, he's the thing that I, I find myself genuinely like head and shoulders above everybody else. The most excited to watch on this Nick team. Night after night, and um, yeah, he's just hitting new new highs every game. Uh, Jeremy, I've kept you for far too long. Uh, anything you want to plug or promote before I let you go? Uh, 
Friday, Andrew, Claudia, and I will be dropping a podcast just for all-star predictions. Although tomorrow, well, it'll be when you hear when people at home hear this, it'll be Thursday, so today. Uh, in honor of Valentine's Day, last year I had a big oh Frank boy. Lakina, I had a big Frank Nilakina thread. It was a love and appreciation thread. Was that on Valentine's Day? That was. That was. That's I, when I, I like first like realized who the hell you were. I was like, who is this kid? <laughs> yeah. Like... Well, so this one's gonna be a little different. I'm going in a little different direction. Instead of an appreciation post, I am doing uh, Nick's poetry. Wow. So I've got some I've got some really nice poems about the Knicks. They're very short, very sweet and to the point. All um, roses are red actually. I'll I'll put that out there. And yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing them. Um I I got had a poem flash through my mind of something like roses are red, violets are blue. Something, something, something. Mitchell dunk on you. I don't know. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I have a bunch, but I will preview one for the pod. Oh, please. All right. So um, this is for Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, God. Roses are red. Sugar attracts ants. Dennis Smith's talent? Slanging wood in his pants. Oh. Oh, goodness. Oh, all right. Well, now I feel great. Now, you know, this will be a no, really that was No, that was lovely. And I didn't say that these were stat driven. Well, I just know that you're so here you're a highly educated uh young man and, and I guess I was expecting maybe some some uh Yates ish, uh you know, something something of that nature, but uh no. I'm sorry um, I'm not Yates. Slang and slang and wood. Um, by the way, if you're don't look at the box score if you're if you're not looking at the box if you are looking at the box score, close it. Um, how many points do you think the Knicks starters scored tonight? Uh, from memory, I know Hazonia scored zero. I think Von. No, Lee don't scored... do the math in your head. Just the, right. that is your gut feeling. All right, um, thirty-four. No, thirty-seven. Twenty. Let me make sure my math is right. Twenty-five, thirty-five, thirty-four. Damn it! You're right on thirty-seven. Yeah. Well done. All right. Don't you teach math? I do teach math. Okay, um, I pretend to teach math. I'm not a math teacher. Well, I'm not good. I'm. I'm this is the one time I'm actually good at math. So, well, that was impressive. That was good. It's not calculus, so. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Thankfully. All right. Um, I am uh, gonna let you go. And uh, to all of the fans out there, thank you for listening to another episode. If you are sticking with this podcast and sticking with this team at this point in the season, man, what? What do they win, Jeremy? They win pride, right? I don't know. Yeah, honor. honor. I, yes. We're all in this together, and I respect you if you keep watching because it is very hard to, to watch this ragtag team continue um, to play. Ragtag indeed. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Jeremy, I'll talk to you soon. Have a happy Valentine's Day with your poetry and everybody out there. Uh, you enjoy your Valentine's Day as well. We're going to have um, a very special... Uh, Nick's Film School Valentine's Day podcast edition that will be dropping um, on Thursday night. Stay tuned for that. It could be fun or a disaster. I don't know which uh, one it's going to be, but it'll be one of the two. So that's awesome. All right. uh, Later, everybody.